Thank you for joining us. I'm Phil Little, the host of the Private Investigator Experience podcast, and I have with me my co-host, Wade Little, and we're here to talk to you about the life of a private eye, some of the cases that we worked on. But I must say that perhaps like many of you, I'm a little subdued and a little heavy with what's going on in Israel and those attacks there that were beyond. I've been in some rough places and seen some rough things and watching what ISIS had done. But I tell you, this is overwhelming. And because my career started in terrorism and counterintelligence there in northern Israel and southern Lebanon, I have great uh, ties there. And it's heart-wrenching, to say the least. So for us to be talking about something as frivolous as a private detective and what we're doing seems a little bit out of place, but you know, life does go on. Keep praying for the people there. And we're going to uh, leap into this. And Wade, how are you doing and what's going on up there your way? Well, I'm doing well. Thank you uh, for asking. Um, Going my way, everything is great. Just uh, continuing to plug along here and like you, just really um, devastated by what, what took place and what's going on. And not only what happened in Israel, but the response by some people and some groups, not only in the United States, but throughout the world. Yes. And it really is just, I mean, it's just disgusting and it's, it's evil. So I know you just did a recent uh, podcast on, on some of that in Israel talking about that. And I know you're going to be doing more podcasts specifically on the situation in Israel and what's going on. And, and I just encourage everybody out there, like, like my father said, not only be praying, but there's also ways that you can help and support in other ways too. So please do that. Well, should we talk about this, this current show and what's going on? Yeah, let's dig into this murder case that went on for several years and was kind of fascinating. That's right. And see, our episodes are going to take several years as well, right, to go through it. Pardon? I said our episodes that we're doing are going to take several years to go through, right? <laughs> day by day? Well, yeah, we could. Yeah, if it, so it went that long. I don't think uh, we'd probably run out of uh, interesting things to say. So maybe uh, we should shorten it. Let's do right, that. Well, we're going to shorten it up. It's maybe uh, one or two more at the most. But I do know that I've talked to some people and they've, they're really intrigued by this. And, and when I was talking to them, they're like, no, no, don't spoil it for me. Don't spoil it for me. So that's really cool to hear. So, all right. So when we last left off of our episode here, we were talking about the girlfriend of our subject, the one who was murdered. His body was found in the hillside in Ventura County. And as the investigation went on, you and your wife at that time, my mom, were going out and doing some field work, some investigative field work on your own to gather information at a known spot where the investigation led to some names and some information. So that was ongoing, as well as what the police were doing and then other entities who also became involved, which you'll talk about. So as what information the girlfriend told us, told you, I should say, was that the subject, the victim, was looking for investors for his for the ranch because there were some financial issues. So the detectives uh, started running those names, doing some record checks, backgrounds. And as we talked about before, it's not like it is today. It was much more time-consuming and more difficult to do background investigations, even for law enforcement. 
So what the, I guess what you came up with was the name of the insurance policy beneficiary, which was, and all the names in our story have been changed to protect both the guilty and the innocent, I guess. We'll call, we'll call him what, Jack Dickey? Yes. Okay. So we've, we've come across that. We've got this name, Jack Dickey. So at this point, um, can, you, can you start elaborating on what you were doing at this point? Yes, this, this was just the uh, initial uh, and part of the investigation. We didn't know at this time that we were getting into an international uh, crime ring that was going to involve other countries and out around the United States. And it, we said at the time, as we got into this and talking amongst ourselves, we'd turn over a rock and another crook would crawl out from under it. So as Ventura County was focusing on this gathering all the background data they could. I had gathered a, a lot of information from the insurance company, everything they had on the policy. And now we knew that he, he, who he was, where he was from. So my next step as a law enforcement was working here, I headed up to Washington State, up in the Yakima area, and uh, set up appointments with the family. And once I got there, I, wasn't, I didn't really know what I was going to get into. But I found this was a very a normal family, ranching, vineyard owners. They were pillars of the community. Our victim in this murder had been a church-going, God-fearing family man who was looked at with respect in the community. And no one knew anything about really what he was doing down in L.A., even his family. He didn't talk a lot. They knew he was trying to raise some money. And, but no one there knew anything about it. As I, as I interviewed several of the family members and friends, I cross-interviewed. I was looking for some mistakes. I was looking to see if maybe any evidence of anyone was not telling me the truth by things they said or mannerisms. And during that whole process, I never picked up anything that any family member was involved in this. In fact, they were extremely surprised at the uh, insurance policy that he even had that. And okay. so. So here, let me interrupt that if I can, because I got some questions. And, and you mentioned that the subject was a church going God fearing man, but yet he had a girlfriend on her side. And so anytime I hear that, I, then I always kind of cringe uh, because again, you never know what somebody is thinking and what they're doing um, on the side. So that, you know, I think of, uh, other people who committed crimes and, and people say kind of the same thing. But so when you're talking to the family at this point, are you saying, look, he has a girlfriend on the side or how did you approach that part of, of his life? No, not at that point. I, during that first uh, meetings with them, I was trying to get all the information I could. I was there as the insurance investigator, just checking out this policy, which turned out they knew nothing about checking on and they weren't the beneficiaries of it. Right. And it was it was more of a, uh, I, I was cautious. Also, I was careful because of their, they had lost this husband and father. And uh, there was a lot of emotion. So I didn't dig into what we knew at that point because it was very sketchy. And uh, it wasn't the place for that. So I knew at another time uh, I would be back and that would have to be taken up. Right, yeah, especially at the beginning, you don't want to get somebody in such off put position that they're not going to talk to you at this point, right? Right. 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 Yes. Okay. All right. So at this point, so you you've had this initial meeting, 
uh, with the family. They're I probably just astounded that there's one assurance policy that their husband, father, or whatever this this person has been has been murdered. So at this point, you've had that meeting. What do you do? With, what are you doing now? Now I'm headed back to Los Angeles. I'm writing up all the reports, getting the information to the insurance company that needed to go to them and to the law enforcement team, McCoy and McKinley, up in Ventura County. And as they begin to run the backgrounds on people and the names that the girlfriend had given us, some of the names of the money people that he had been meeting with or had made contacts with him, and they came across the name of Jack Dickey in some cross-checking that they were doing. And as we started digging in to this, we realized and we stumbled on through, in fact, I'd made a contact with some other insurance people and was doing work with other companies. And we stumbled on that this Jack Dickey had been uh, a beneficiary in other insurance policies. And so we realized that maybe there was something more to this. We didn't know anything about those cases at that time. So we started pulling together the jurisdictions that had those cases, some in Texas, some in uh, Oklahoma, uh, New Mexico. Uh, there was a couple others in California. And we started trying to uh, dig up everything we could on those cases so we could see if there was any similarities to, to our particular case. Okay. So we've got multiple states. And at this point, besides yourself and West Coast, is there and, and Ventura County Sheriff's are there any other entities involved in this investigation? No, not at this point. And that's one thing. And I think this was one of the reasons that they picked Ventura County to dump the body in instead of L.A. County was because it's a smaller department, smaller uh, county. They don't have the resources. And McCoy McKinley just told me, said, we don't have the, the resources to, to follow this out. Looks like where it's going because it was going to be very involved. So I, that's when I went to the insurance company told them what the story was and how critical this was. And of course, they had a couple million dollars at stake. So they said, well, we'll fund that investigation. So I was able to put together funding so that McCoy McKinley could keep going. And the next step was once we had the cases where the jurisdictions were in, we started contacting the locals and we found out that we had unsolved murders very similar to ours with Jack Dickey's name all over the beneficiaries. And then we knew that we needed to bring people together. So at that point, we decided to, to set up a task force. Right. So these other local jurisdictions you're talking about, this was what, Texas, Oklahoma, LAPE, because you talked about other parts of yep. California. So we had those three uh, jurisdictions in each of those states. Was there anybody else that you brought in at this point, especially Thinking, I'm thinking of federal agencies. They get involved at this point. Well, yes. That's what we did. Once we started talking to these other states and realized that they uh, had some of the same set of uh, suspects and p people of interest in it, we also had contacted IRS intelligence because they would be involved in any money laundering or money obtained illegally. And then the FBI, we contacted them because we had these model state jurisdictions and murders across state line. And some of these people, we began to learn, had traveled. Of course, the suspects were traveling across state lines, but in some cases, they also had the victims traveling across state lines. So 
we decided we need to find out what everybody knew. So we set up a conference, a two-day joint investigation conference up in Ventura County, right on the ocean there. And all of the detectives came in from all these jurisdictions, bringing the information they had so that we could set up some kind of a working arrangement. Right. So what? So you you what, rented a room somewhere in a hotel, right? It was like a, a big conference room. They had down on the, let's see, the detectives had got, they, these guys were fun, these two detectives, but they'd put down on the banner podium downstairs at the hotel. It was a bit, we had a big conference room. And it was the initials for get Dicky something, something. I don't know. I can't remember now the initials. But uh, yeah, it was a big conference. And we had, oh, there was 15 or 20 of us that were there at that first meeting and laid out, started laying out what we had. Each person would brief on what they had and the, basically the facts they had. And then we started making some plans. Right. So, I mean, did, did you open the meeting? Like, you say, hey, everybody, thank you for coming. This is a really important coffee and donuts are in the back. Or how, how did this yeah. meeting start off? Yeah, we had uh, all that stuff. The coffee, donuts, bagels, continental breakfast. I introduced myself and, and, and what we were in it and that the insurance company was, was funding this. And we were working with Ventura. Then Ventura came on and started laying out their case. Then once we spent, oh, it was three or four hours talking about the different cases, we did, in those days, of course, there wasn't computers. So we decided that we need some kind of a, a tracking. So we had a big roll, rolled up paper that was like the three-foot wallboard, and we stretched that out across the room. And it's about 30 feet long. And we went to the left side, and we put on there all of the suspects, persons of interest, names that we had from all the different cases. And then the idea was, at that point, any information we had that would connect those two. So you could go across the top, which had the time and date, and you could come down here to October 15th at 3 p.m., and you could see if any of these people were meeting together. And that's how we begin to connect the dots and putting people together so that uh, we could say, okay, these people know each other. There's there's something you know going on here. Right. So basically, it was a the uh, precursor to a whiteboard. You had a suspect list, and then you had a timeline, and you were able to just walk that 30 feet and see who was there, what happened at different times, and determine any, like you said, cross-connections or, or meetings that took place. Yes. All right. So what else besides that? And, and you said that took two days. So what else were you or, or other detectives doing, your other detectives doing as part of the investigation while, while, those, while that the conference was going on? Well, there was an assignment made to, to each group of each people each detectives that were there. And we had a certain things that we were going to do related to the insurance company and information we could, were getting from them and could get from others. Then the Ventura County detectives were the, were the lead on it. And then each one of the other uh, groups took uh, things to do, like check out these people, check out this situation. Part of the thing was we were trying to build a timeline of we knew when he had gotten to LAX because the girlfriend knew when he went to meet this unknown suspect. After that, we we were we were blank. It was it because he wasn't found till three weeks later in Ventura County. So we had this time. How did the shooter get in 
to Los Angeles. We assume that he was coming by plane since that he had um, wanted to meet at LAX. And that was before the time of all the restrictions that we have now after 9-11 and all the things. And so that was the, the big thing was, can we identify when he was actually killed? Did they drive him up there and then uh, shoot him? He had 30,000 cash on him. So that was the first step that we tried to put together and begin to unravel this and pull the string out of the big, big roll. Right. So was there any idea of what this Jack Dickey looked like? Any description of him or anything? Well, we got a physical and they were able to pull photos of him from law enforcement. And uh, he was kind of a dark-skinned guy, kind of Italian-looking guy, even though he wasn't, I don't think, Italian, as I remember. But we knew, but nothing was on him by any agency. He, he did not have any criminal. He was, to all appearances, clean background. And so we knew that he definitely wasn't the shooter. He wasn't the guy that was running around putting all these criminal acts actually doing them. So that means there had to be many other people involved. And we suspected at that point we were onto either an organized crime. And this was uh, an organized, this was an organized crime. It wasn't mafia really that was involved, but it was a sophisticated group of guys and had learned how they could make a lot of money by spending some time and effort with a suspect that needed money and then uh, setting them up. And usually these insurance policies, some of them were only enforced two or three months and uh, before they killed the person, which was really suspicious, it would seem like. But a lot of them had been collected on, even though that now I don't think you would be able to anywhere near get a payout on a death policy, particularly a murder in that uh, period of time. Right. So while all that's going on, you continued your active participation in the investigation. Were you still going to that restaurant? What was going on there? Well, we kept going there, but uh, at one point there, I realized that something wasn't right, that the way we started getting treated, there was a, in my mind, they had a suspicion. And I wasn't aware at that point. Later, I found out that they had ran my license plate and gotten the fact that I was a private investigator. and but, it, but I sensed something was wrong before I knew that. So we started backing off from that a little bit, mainly because um, I had my wife involved and we were going there. And now with all these murders, obviously these guys weren't against murdering people that yeah. uh, might know something too much. And because they were trying to pick my brain, they were trying to talk to me the questions that just raised the red flag. So we backed off from that. And it was then that we had Texas stuff coming in. We had the locals there and and in Oklahoma. And we uncovered a case up in Oklahoma that was the largest uh, murder for hire case at that time, the Mullendor case. It was a $10 million policy. And so that popped up and we wanted to find out more about that. So I made a trip to Texas and Oklahoma to see what we might be able to find out there. Interesting. So, I mean, I, I've got to be honest here. I have no idea where we're at time-wise on this episode, but it sounds like that might be a good segue for our next show. 
Yes, you know what, Wade, you're right. I think we've given some next time. There's going to be a, a, a good-looking blonde that gets involved in this uh, picture. There's going to be a little a few twists and turns, and the intrigue unravels. And we thought we had the gun. Ultimately, we, we had gotten the gun that we thought had killed him uh, through a series of things. We'll go into that a little more. But we thought that we had a victim who we were going to be able to exhume and oh, yeah. find the bullet. And in his head, and that would solve our problems. But right. we'll, we'll leave that uh, for next time. Don't, don't say any more. Yes. All right. I won't. All right. So obviously this is a, a crazy case. And this is, this is one of those cases that you, when you read about it or when you see it, hear about it on a podcast or are watching a video cast or whatever, you're thinking, wow, this is crazy. And it's it's intriguing and it's just so much going on here. And so I think by by our next episode uh, on this on this, we will we'll tie all the loose ends up, probably, right? Well, it might take two more, but we'll probably close. So yeah. we're close to it, everything. And so it'd be interesting though, if anybody out there remember we have an email address, and that is P little P I. 777 at gmail.com and if anybody out there would like to send us an email and, and tell us what they think might happen or is going to happen or just some ideas on this murder investigation please send us those emails and we will be glad to be happy to look at them and we'll even talk about them in our next show so go ahead and send those in and always again we read every email and we look forward to, to receiving those so we thank you for those also, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button, hit like, tell your friends and family about the show as well and what's going on and have everybody uh, join in. So that, based upon that and everything we just talked about, is there anything you want to close with? Yes, hit that subscribe button, then the notification bell, so you'll be notified. That's the next time. And until then, hey folks, we're living in a very messed up world. Be praying that peace comes. And to make God bless you, keep you and your family safe, and may God bless America. See you next time.